and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. Cheers, queers! What's on the Big Gay Agenda today? Today, we're going to be talking about fandoms. Because we're in a time with the ongoing WGA SAG strikes. And so to stay in line with in solidarity with all of them, we are shifting our content a little bit until those wonderful creators we love so dearly are paid livable wages. So in lieu of talking about a specific piece of media, today we're going to explore fandoms and what the fandom life is like. So fandoms are something that's becoming more accessible thanks to the internet and something we've all participated in. And if you're new to fandoms, we're here to explain the good, the bad, and everything in between about fandoms and participating in them. So before we jump into our experiences, I first wanted to start by defining what a fandom is, because not everybody knows. Like, it's a term you hear tossed around, maybe, or you've heard it for the first time recently. So let's talk about what it is and how it's different from just being a typical fan. So a fandom itself refers to a community of people who are passionate about something, whether it's a TV show or a film, which is like primarily our media, but it can be like a band, an artist, a sport. It can kind of be anything really, but the key word here is community. It's a community of people. And so the thing that separates a fan from a fandom is that people in fandoms usually spend a significant portion of time and energy involved with their interest as part of a social network. And fandoms usually operate as this kind of like subculture of their own with their own unique name and internal hierarchy. So that's social networking is really what's different than just a fan of the media, artist, whatever. So how did fandoms start? I've always wanted to know the answer to this question, and so I did some digging into it. And I want to ask you guys and see if you had to guess, uh, what is the what was the first modern fandom? Like, what was it centered around in, like, what time period? This was news to me when I looked it up. Modern How modern, modern What are you talking about? Which century? Within the last couple hundred years? Modern, so not like in ancient Greece. Like, okay, all right. I'm not modern, modern. as in the 2000s. What? Not modern as in like my lifetime. No, not in your lifetime. It's beyond your lifetime. But um, modern. Okay, hold on. Does it involve classic films? No, surprisingly. So fandom. Uh. We're, this is just fandom in general. Networking. This was the first fandom. When networking was a knitting. Thing. <laughs> oh my god! Actually, you know you're probably right. <laughs> like patchwork. I don't think that was fandom activity. That was more baking. Craft just... circle. I don't know. <laughs> that was more so women's work. We yeah, call that a fandom. I will say it was centered around a book. I'll tell you that. Oh, okay. This was surprising to me, but Is also not surprising. Shakespeare. No, Shakespeare ended up more in, like, the academia realm. Not so um, much a fandom, independent group. Here's where is it I'm... the Bible? 
Is it American literature? No, not American literature. Jane Austen. I don't know. That's a good guess. That's my fandom. Okay. I mean, the Jane Austen fandom is still thriving in terms of the longest running fandom. I'd argue the first fandom is the Mm. thing. So the first modern fandom was centered around Sherlock Holmes. This makes sense. I know. It made sense. Okay. So if you're not familiar with Sherlock Holmes, the original body of work, it was a book series written by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I've actually read it. It's phenomenal. Um, The fandom part came about after Holmes was killed off in one of the books and there were public demonstrations of mourning over Sherlock Holmes. And I saw images where people like created fan art of of Sherlock and would post them on telephone poles. So like that's where it started. And it was like clustered in parts of Great Britain. That's so, so that cool. was considered the first fandom because of the public demonstration of this group of people about this piece of media. So the first fandom came about in eight, the 1890s. That's insane. We need to like remind people of this like on mass scale like we people we've always been like this we humans yeah no no totally so that's the first modern fandom the the olden day fandom fire (laughs) they're obsessed with yeah no for real people i mean eating fire like yeah you want to talk about old like okay the gods that's like a fandom that aphrodite my fandom no no for real and and that's why like i stuck with the term modern because like yeah this could be centered around everything and we don't have like historical documentation but yeah Mm -hmm. you could you could argue that absolutely but our first like in context of what we're talking about and like the fandom we're gonna fandom definition we're gonna explore like sherlock holmes was the first it was a book series that was the first like fandom fandom in modern times and so since like the early 1900s when this started when this started happening after the quote-unquote death of Sherlock Holmes uh the first fan fiction was actually written about this too because people were upset about the ending and wrote their own fan fiction so like in terms of what a fandom means to us today this is really where that started there was public art and fan fiction happening because of this the book we had to fix it (laughs) they had to fix the ending so like our need to like Say I reject the canon. Has it's killing you. <laughs> oh, it, they didn't try to arrest Sir Arthur Conan Doyle like the fans of Killing Eve tried to arrest Lord Neil. So it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. We'll get we'll get to our fandoms later. But I just want to go through the history of fandoms. Yeah, no so problem. it started started there, early 1900s. Then it started like bleeding into other like mostly book genres are where that kind of fandom kept going. So like science fiction work was becoming big. Westerns were always a big thing. So there was fandoms popping up centered around that in that genre. And in the 1930s is when they started formally organizing like in bigger groups and started uh, holding annual conventions. So this is going to sound familiar. One of the first ones is at the world science fiction convention. So they started having formal groups of everybody getting together and in those groups these fans and the fandom started creating their own vernacular referred to as fan speak so like their own language was cropping up right. centered around this thing so 
it took about 30 years for that to start happening. So first we had the art, the fan fiction, and then we started getting our own language and conventions about like 30 years after. And over time, fandoms kind of spread from books into other pieces of media. So like comic books became like the mm -hmm. next big thing. And then we got comic cons, which still exist today and are huge, massive events that happen where fandoms group in person. And so I'm going to split off of that and kind of talk about, generally speaking, fandoms evolved as technology evolved. Because the whole thing is social networking, right? And the tools we have at our disposal will impact our ability to do that. So remember, we started in the 1890s up to like 2023, which is where we are now. So like travel changed, like air travel became more accessible. So people were able to create cons and get across country to a different country to meet each other versus like, I'm mad about this. You're mad about this. We're in the same village. Let's put this on a telephone pole, which is how it started. Oh so gosh, air travel things was are huge. so weird because I my whole life is social media, and like that wasn't a thing. I know, I know. Continue. Yeah, we'll get to that. This is even this is pre social media. Social media is the thing that really changed everything. But air travel, so just physically being able to get to the other people in your fandom, that changed everything. Telephones. Just having a telephone and being able to keep in touch with other people across distances, that changed everything. So instead of just meeting up with people once a year, you could regularly communicate right. as telephones became something in everybody's home. And then the internet. I'm talking pre-internet, like just dial up www.whatever, AOL chat rooms, early internet. So early internet gave us virtual forums to talk about one specific thing. You'd have websites dedicated to your fandom. You'd have chat rooms dedicated to your fandom. So it's another way to like put everybody in one spot virtually and communicate with people in your fandom virtually. And then from there, fan fiction sharing became a lot easier because you could have blogs dedicated to it. You could have, again, a website dedicated. This is pre-AO3 where we had other avenues, but like same concepts. We have that innate desire to like share these things, write these things, and it became accessible to people. But in early internet, you had to seek it out. It wasn't coming to you. Like you had to go be like passionate about a thing, go look for it and get involved with it. I'm sure Brie can understand what that was like. I understand what that was like. Like was you fun. had to seek it out. Yep. You had to go find it. You had to go find it. So at that point in time, early internet time, so I'm talking like late 90s, early 2000s, like basically it was kind of the same thing, like where like you had to be very invested and have to want to put the time in and go seek out the fandom. Like it was on the individual to be that passionate. The thing that really changed fandoms into what we're dealing with now is social media. Because social media became the main hub of all of these things, okay? So instead of going to a specific website, instead of going to a specific blog, it all kind of exists in the social media platform. And so while conventions exist and those kinds of things, social media removed all those barriers. No chat rooms, no blogs, everything just migrated here. And so fandom hierarchies still exist, like the people that own the website, the people that run the fandom, like monitor all of that stuff, create the speak together. That exists, but now you have people who have never interacted with a fandom, aren't seeking a fandom, come across these people mm -hmm. when they're like just casually engaging with the material. And so 
there's a lot of like friction happening now in modern fandoms because you have people who don't understand fandom etiquette, who are not on the same level, interacting with people who otherwise were like kind of cloistered off in their own world, who were passionate enough to seek it out, creating their own community together. So it's like, you almost don't know the, the, what are the rules anymore? It's, there's, there's this like friction happening because now it's just so accessible to people who are casual fans who accidentally get into a fandom and then things kind of change. And you can get things like, like fandom culture is definitely changing because of that, but it also has a darker side of like bullying and drama that's happening when these two worlds are kind of colliding with each other and partially due to social media. And that is where we are today. And that is why we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and everything in between of what fandoms today are like. So now that we've gone through the brief history of fandoms, I turned it over to you guys to ask, uh, what fandoms have you been a part of? And what was your very first fandom? Go, Caitlin. I was going to ask if you wanted to go first since you're... No, already asked first. All right. So I was trying to think about it. I think I've only really had three fandoms. I was going to say two. Then I remembered my actual first one. And I don't know if you guys would know about it. But when I was in like fourth grade, Hannah Montana was a big thing. There you go. And who is Hannah Montana? But the incredible Miley Cyrus, who is living her best life. But she had this whole fandom that I guess her people created called Miley World, where you subscribe to it and you would get like stuff in the mail and you get access to things. There was a song contest. Um, Actually, I think Sabrina Carpenter, who just opened for Taylor Swift, was a part of it as well. And yeah, so I guess that would be my first fandom. There was like trading cards. And with stickers and everything it, it was insane i'm pretty sure my parents were so happy when that was over so when was when yeah that, that when did that like, happen that sounds like a fandom of our childhood mm-hmm, where like does. you'd be like at a fan club yeah exactly it was this yeah. it was like that it's organized and there's prizes and like engagement that sounds like a pre-social media one almost yeah even radio like fandoms back in when they had radio shows did that yeah totally i want to i'm I'm just looking it up real quick because i'm actually curious i'm just curious yeah like i want to know what time period that was because it may have been early 2000s or something i don't know it was definitely um i'm thinking like 2007 yeah that sounds about right um Uh, well, I mean, I just found an article from 2008 about it. So definitely yeah. 2007, 2008 okay. 2007, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2008. Makes sense. Uh, what other fandoms have you been a part of? Okay, so now the other one. And this is thanks to... Actually, I don't think I was like online as much until like halfway through the show. But I mean, we've heard me talk about it a couple of times. Pretty Little Liars. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. That okay. was, I started that show in seventh grade and we just continued with it. And they were very, very active on social media and like getting people together. They would um, 
I feel like they were one of the first people to start the live tweeting thing mm. because one of them was just like, Hey guys, this is what we're going to do. And it just made, I did many, 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 many projects about this in college. So that's why like, I know some of the data, I don't remember most of it, but I do know like they were like a big leader in like how to utilize social media for the show because it actually did help blow up the show even more so that was fun i can't fully remember everything but that... i know you were in winona Earp too yeah that was that was my last one that i was gonna get to um the that one was the most recent and i just basically went on twitter they had this like hashtag erper greet thing where you just introduced yourself and basically mm-hmm. all the erpers just adopt you immediately and just Aww. bring you in um we'll talk about it a little bit later but that's when it's still good and then it can fandoms change after a while as well yeah so those are my three main ones gotcha all right well, Bree. well my journey <laughs> started way back in 1997 with a little show that no one's probably heard of at all called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> what is that, Bree? Tell us. <laughs> well, technically, if you want to get real technical... It's about a man. <laughs> technical, technically, it started with the movie that starred Christy it, Swanson. Yeah, it did. Because I watched that and I remember being obsessed with that movie and watching it over and over and over again. And then when the series came out, I knew I I don't think I had this, the channel that it was coming on. And so... I had to ask my cousin all the time, did you watch it? Okay. So what's it, what's it like? And that was the first few episodes. And then afterwards I got access to it. And then like, like Theora mentioned, you had to go out and seek the, and let me just make it really clear. This is a time period where people didn't have internet in their, in their houses, like regular, like regularly, especially in more, um kind of middle of the country places so once we got internet um that was readily accessible and it was dial up so you got to hear the noise every time i found the buffy fandom and got involved not as much at first uh not as deep at first but there was a message board called if anyone remembers this comment it in in the comment down below because or let us know the kitten the witches and the bad wardrobe this was a willow before a willow and tara message board where people just posted a plethora of fan fiction discussions everything in between and i spent a lot of time on there reading a lot of fan fiction one of which i will have you know was published and i actually have the book nice. so it's a really cool book it was an au willow and tara fan fiction uh involving a like stalker killer dude but oh dear it was actually a, it was a really good story i read it multiple times before she had to pull it off after it was published 
So that was the first one, and the first one, and I really, really, really got into it. Can I ask a when, question? Yeah. How do you create a chat board? Is that message board? Message board. Yeah, message board. The, well, there were templates to do this all over. So you just build a website basically. And then you, you yeah. there were, there were also places that hosted message boards. So you could go and form your own message board just based on their website. Like you just created your own there. Um, so yeah. this is what we yeah. mean when we say you had to seek it out. You didn't right. go to like tumblr.com or like buffy.com. Like you had to find the website that was hosting this like the specific one yeah it, and yeah. google existed right no yes. well i, I mean it. google exists i don't know about google the search There's engines existed. Yeah, yeah search engines they existed <laughs> they weren't that great yet but yeah you could find the stuff if you basically you had to kind of find somebody who knew yeah you had to be determined is the, yeah. is the key here. Like you wouldn't just like put it into a search engine back then and find it immediately. Cause there's no out, there's no like algorithm really in these things. And so you had to like, it might take you a few clicks to find what you're looking for. Yeah. It, no, like you had to be determined to find these things. I would have um, been great at this. You would uh, have. <laughs> yes. But uh, after that, I've got okay when I really got into the community aspect was when Kennedy came onto the show so yeah. I happened to join the only Yari Limon message board that existed and so I kind of got in on the ground level and nice. I was part of the little we were called the watchers so it was like a little mini mod team it, who were like sort of the everyday users that got to kind of like moderate things and that's where i met this circle of friends and as queer people do we all dated each other at one point or another <laughs> there there you go there's your hierarchy and there's your <laughs> social connection yeah so i ended up uh moving to be with the longest like the longest my first real longest relationship came out of that fandom so there you go uh then i mean we even got the the mod the website the message board moms even sent us because they were in contact with the actress they sent us all of the little watchers uh autograph with a personalized message from her Aww. and stuff like that that's cute because they didn't tell us what they were sending us they were just like we're gonna send you something and then it was like a joke what do you like what do you i was like oh is it a pony and so the mod moms sent me a printout of a pony as well as the <laughs> autograph <Aww. laughs> so there's the good part of the community we found like you know, really friends, like some, I don't think I speak to any of the, you have to remember this was in 2001, 2004 through 2005, maybe. So I don't really talk to any of them anymore. But then after that, um, there was some space where I wasn't doing any phantom stuff. And then I, I will say the next fandom I was kind of on the outskirts of fandom, like would get in and then get back out 
the significant one that I skip all the ones that were kind of on the edge, but motherland. (laughs) Yeah. Really? You're a part of that? For brevity, for brevity's sake, I will say motherland was the fandom that I got into the most, the hardest. And to the point where, um, you know, I was part of a group that was relatively well known in the community, and we made this podcast at the beginning for mother to discuss motherland. So that tells you how deep I was. And I mean, I met Theora first. Yeah, on Tumblr, because <laughs> my ass put out a post saying, "Hey, I was thinking about starting a motherland podcast. Is anybody interested?" And guess who answered? Somebody who was sharing the brain cell at the time was like, exactly. I was literally thinking the exact same thing. Like, let's do it. I have screenshots of it somewhere. And then we had like a little meeting where we were doing like a chemistry thing. We were making sure that we like clicked. It went from there. And then I happened to run into Caitlin when, you know, doing all of this fandom stuff. And she came on board and made everything better. I just have a habit of taking control over things. And then we expanded. Yes. Because obviously shows come and go and we couldn't just... The important message wasn't just Motherland. It was actual representation and queer media. So here we are. Here we are. are. Those are like the most significant fandoms of mine. I mean, I've been in a lot of fandoms, but those are the most significant. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, I will briefly go through mine. I think the first fandom I was ever a part of and didn't realize I was a part of was Star Wars. Um, because that was, and the community was my relatives. Like, they were hardcore into that. And so, like, that was the thing, one of the things, actually, no, probably the first fandom I was ever a part of. I'm No, I Listen can't. to her. She's got to go back. No, I'm sorry, because it goes back to the day I was born. The first fandom (laughs) I I was a part of is the New York Mets. I was brought home from the hospital in a Mets uniform. Baseball is the thing that bonds my entire family together. And like the New York Mets is a religion in my entire family. So that was the first fandom I was ever a part of. That's on the peripheries of today, but like hardcore knew everything about it. Like, and because me and my father are very obsessive, we're the same kind of fan where we're just, we are fandom people. Like, so yes, it was a big bonding thing my whole life. So it started with a baseball team. I, like immediately since I was born, I was born into fandom life. Like, um, and then from there, I think Star Wars was really my first taste into like media fandom. And I didn't realize it because it was pre-internet. And so it was very much like connecting with other people. And also like my family was very big on it. So we would like buy all the merch. So like that's how it was things were accessible to us. This is pre-internet. So we would like buy literally every piece of lore about it and like absorb it and then talk about it. And I read books that kind of like continued after the original saga ended. And I didn't realize they were fan fiction that were po- so that were published. Like I didn't realize it, but I was consuming these things. So like I inadvertently walked into that fandom and like was engaging with it, but not internet. This is pre-internet. My first internet fandom was Clone Club, which is for Orphan Black. 
I wasn't super like in the hierarchy structure. I was more like a peripheral participant, but that was my first taste of what a modern internet fandom was like. And so it was a lot of it was on Tumblr. That was like where a lot of the fandom stuff that I was used to was happening. I didn't join Twitter until Motherland when I was forced to because of this podcast. I don't really like Twitter, but Tumblr was fun because people were engaging with it the way I like to engage with media, which is people were analyzing the shit out of it and pointing out all these things and making these connections because there's a lot of like um, mythology in there. And they're like, well, they're using this to symbolize this. And to me, it was just like, wow, it gave me a bigger appreciation for the piece of work. And I was like, wow, there's other people that do this too. Like, this is so cool. So I started like engaging and I made fan art. And like, that was the first time I kind of really started participating. But my biggest fandom ever where I was known and more of a contributor was Clowns, which is the Killing Eve fandom. Um, so I was known on Tumblr for analysis posts. Like I would write essays about this show. Um, I got shout outs on podcasts about Killing Eve. Good um, I loved it so much. And it, it like the podcast I used to listen to for Killing Eve is what made me want to do a podcast mm-hmm. because the way they would just break everything down, the nuance, the acting, the way they could shoot things, why they had mirrors, like all of this stuff. It just made me appreciate literally every single thing the creators were doing on that show. Because it's one of those shows where you just watch it and like most of it can go over your head because there's like three layers to everything that you're watching. And so when you start peeling the layers back, you really see the brilliance of it. Um, but that's when I really started engaging. I was really in like chat rooms about it, not chat rooms, but like, actually, like, yeah, Tumblr had chat rooms at, the, at this mm-hmm. time. And I met so many cool people that I'm still friends with today from this fandom. Like we would get up and watch it together when it was airing. And so that was like the first fandom I really participated in. Um, and then from there it was, it literally everything after that was podcast related. So motherland fandom, um, where I was kind of doing the same thing on Tumblr and that's how it <laughs> ran into free. And then we were in everything else like motherland and all that kind of stuff. But my big favorite, favorite fandom that changed the way I interact with media. I really love is the killing Eve. fandom. by the way, Thee, I have to tell you this before I forget because I'd already forgotten. Nice. I found a new keycap set for you for, oh. for, for your, for Julie's key- keyboard. It's killing Eve themed. There's a Killing Eve themed keycap set by one of the major keycap producers. It That's blew awesome. my mind. I'm going to send, send me, it to you later. Please send me pictures. I want to mm-hmm. see it. I will. But yeah, I will always have a very fond place in my heart. That fandom has major problems, but like for me, it was the most positive experience I ever had with a piece they of all media. Do. And I've never had the same experience ever again. Like it was, it was a special moment in time. All right. Brie, you were mentioning something. Yeah. I forgot to mention one aspect of, and the reason I think this is important is because it's another place where a lot of fandoms grew out of in the early days when it first came around live journal. Yeah. So live journal was, was started out as a place where you could go have a journal and then it turned into a hot spot for fandom activity. And I remember one of the really big ones that that uh, actually, I actually participated in on there was Grey's Anatomy when things got gay. Woo! Season four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but fandoms had been, I mean, like two of my, two of my, um, or two of my best friends 
met their spouses on live journal fandoms <laughs> like these That's are so people cute. that that like are living in different countries from their original country now because they met people from across the world got yeah. married and moved one of them moved there so i love that the power of fandom and live I journal back have in the day. a habit of coming in the <clears throat> coming into fandoms way too late <laughs> Like it's never too late. But like the fandom's like not fully there anymore. Like there's I wish I was uh watched I mean it'd be really weird if I watched Grey's Anatomy when it first aired. <laughs> I was definitely too little for that. Um also I was like just missed like the glee time. I feel like I should have been able to watch it, but I think I was just like slightly too young. But it would have been cool to be a part of those when it was going on it's definitely a very different experience but it is never too late truly because there are sherlock holmes still has a fucking fandom it's been 200 years so like it's never too late especially if there's a renaissance of the of the media or it just comes the fandom kind of comes back in a big spike yeah. that's what happened with glee i think i, f I started watching yes, it, it is. when Everybody was right. watching it. So you came for like the second wave. Okay, so now that we've gone through what fandoms generally we've been involved with, there so we mentioned that there's like there's good aspects to it, there's dark dark sides of it. We're gonna start with the good. Um so there's many things that can come out of a fandom, like some things we've already touched on. Like building community is really the big one because that's what separates a fandom from just being a lonely observer and fan. Uh there can be fun associated um with it obviously because you're engaging with people who care about something you care about um and through fandoms like you mentioned caitlin there was like merch and then brie mentioned there's like fan fiction writing there's it's a different way to engage with the material than just like watching mm -hmm. it listening to it whatever the the thing is that the fandom centered around and like caitlin said like you mentioned glee i'm glad you brought that one up because it also offers you a way to engage with it and experience whatever it is even after it ends so it's like it's not just like you watch, engage with the actual media, and then when it's over, it's over. Like, it kind of extends whatever the media is. We're just going to stick with media for the rest of this, because that's what this podcast is about, and it makes it easier. But yeah, if it's like a TV show, like, even after it ends, like, you can still engage with the media, which is really great, and I think something that's super, super special. So I wanted to ask you guys, of all of your experience with fandoms, what's, what's the most positive experience that you've had with a fandom or that's, like, come out of a fandom? For you this that's fair <laughs> and this and the friends yeah. that i made in the motherland fandom um i still talk obviously i still talk to some of them some the others not not as much but i mean we really we built a little family there for a while and just like with any other fandom things can kind of people fall away and once things are over they go their own ways etc but yeah, I still have, I have, you know, you guys and particularly one other friend that I talked to on a re very regular basis that came out of that fandom. Um, so friends that I've made and also thinking about things in a different way, perspectives, gaining perspectives on a lot of different things, whether it applies to my life outside of fandom or analyzing pieces of media period it was like meeting 
you, Theora, was one of the first times I ever met someone and talked to someone every, um, like every day that analyzes media the way I like to analyze media and actually could discuss it or wanted to discuss it in that way. Yeah. Now, those are the positive. Those are like the most positive things I can think of. Uh, those are all great yeah the pot this podcast and you guys probably number one thing but i have others you want to go next caitlin sure so i mean meeting people are great i have like a people from all around the world at this point i feel like i go Mm -hmm. to a country and be like hey you want to meet up um i mean i can Mm -hmm. even go to kuwait (laughs) see someone it's insane but my favorite thing about the fandoms is that one it allows me to learn other things in new ways to like relate it to things in the fandom and so that's how i learned a lot of um like my marketing and all of that stuff like in school that's why i did so much of whatever fandom i'm in for school projects because it helped me be interested in other things and along those lines i love that the fandoms teach people skills because there's so many people Mm -hmm. learning how to edit from this and drawing and all this these creative skills like learning to create websites learning i was going to start a con with people so like i was learning everything how to start a con and it's it's a lot of work but you're learning so many different things because you have a group of people motivated also i mean i learned how to make a podcast (laughs) Mm mm-hmm the fan fiction that's another thing is yeah. people learning how to and practicing writing i mean fan fiction is what i weaned myself on when i was really learning how to write stuff uh, not that i'm that oh my gosh fan fiction really i don't know it helped me at least as a writer because i mean the first thing i wrote i think was for like camp rock and wizards wizards waverly place and it was so bad But reading more and then like noticing, okay, this one's good. This one's not as good. The writing got better and better. And I don't think I could be anywhere as coherent today (laughs) if it wasn't for that. Fandom is a version version of salons in a way. I'm really grateful for fan fiction. Yeah, I got to get together and share writing. Yeah, I was going to give my my example as fan fiction writing. Because I, you know, I'm a type A perfectionist. And if I can't be perfect, I can't do it. It's that millennial curse kind of deal. And so the <laughs> writing so many analysis posts for Killing Eve, I got to the point where I'm like, I have enough to write my own season. And so I did, basically. And it was semi-successful in a big fandom, which to me was like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe I can do this. Um, and the most positive that thing that came out of fan fiction writing was I got into the Bly Manor fandom um, for the Danny Jamie ship. And I wrote like so much. Like I have still have like hundreds of prompts sitting in my like Tumblr box because people would just be like, can you keep writing stuff? Me too. Oh my God. Um, Hundreds just sitting there. Um, But I wrote a significant portion of fan fiction for that fandom. And one story that I start, I still haven't finished, but I started writing. um, Somebody reached out to me and was like, I want to make fan art about this. Is that okay? And I was like, 
no one has ever done that for me or wanted to. So I was very flattered. And so I started talking to this person and we are still friends today. And it's the friend I keep bringing up on this podcast, the one that transitioned and because Rainbow Islands was like a big deal. So like we're friends and this person lives in Australia and like we are friends because like they found this work, it resonated with them and we started talking and we're like, oh, we have other things in common. And like, so that was the most positive thing that ever came out of it. So it's like, it, just do it for fun. Like have fun with it. Do whatever you want with the fandom and like, you know, it will resonate with other people. And like, that was really special. Just being able to like make a friend out of like, a fan fiction which was pretty cool for me i love that i'm so happy that i didn't know that they they reached out because of your story that's really cool yep <laughs> makes you feel really good huh yeah um yeah i do enjoy fan fiction writing a lot so those are some positive experiences, but of course there's not everything's all happy. There's, there's yeah. a dark side to fandoms. There can be a lot of toxicity, just straight up drama in the era of social media. There's bullying, harassment, stalking. It can get up to death threats. Like it can be really, really bad. And unfortunately like bad behavior from the fandom can inadvertently reflect on the media. And so people may not want to engage with something as a casual fan or like who could potentially be a fandom member if the fandom is exhibiting toxic behavior for me my biggest example is the bible the fans are so toxic i don't want to be a part of this but, you know religion really does seem like just a big fandom it is it's a cult that's why i mean i call it a cult and i keep it's a cult i keep cults. upsetting people for saying that <clears throat> they are cults um, anyway, so like, yeah, but like that kind of perception, like if the fandom is exhibiting toxic behavior in a public forum on Twitter and casual people see this, they're like, I don't even want to watch the, whatever this is, because these, the people engaging with it are so bad. Maybe the media is bad. So like it can harm the, whatever the thing is, if the people are exhibiting that kind of behavior. So there's positives, like we've talked about, about building community, making friends, all that kind of stuff. But then there's also like the complete opposite of that or it can turn people off the media or like you know lead to bullying and things like that and so have you had any negative experiences either personally or something you've witnessed with fandoms of course yes what would you like to share would you like every to share single fandom i've been in it doesn't matter uh, and this is true of any fandom there are people who are going to be positive and people who are going to be negative it's just like anything else in life it's however evil. it's the groups that you fall in with and the way you uh the extent to which you communicate with a wide range of people that determine what your experience is going to be and you can think that you're in the best like group within the fandom because all fandoms just like high school have like subgroups or clicks so you can find yourself all of a sudden in a click not realize that that's where it was going because everyone has this grand idealistic um motivation like we're going to make the community better and we're going to be the leader in this and that and then someone or a group of people within that subgroup decide that you know just things go south just like with anything with people there are going to be fights there are going to be disagreements and it's 
those have been the negative experiences for me is either that or larger controversies within the fandom itself so either a controversy stemming from the media and the people surrounding making the show cause a controversy within the fandom cause the fandom to react in a negative way or cause negative things for the fandom or people with different okay it's, it's all about ships let's just put it it's always it's such a big it's always ships uh that are fighting with one another or particular character uh fandoms so this has always been the way and it's always going to be the way there's always going to be conflict between people that ship you know character different characters within a fandom well the and issue sorry no you're cool uh the issue becomes when others when someone's like my opinion is the only one that matters right like your ship is not allowed like yeah okay ship them with multiple people like it's okay that's a it always goes fandom. there though there's always somebody that goes there it's it's always going to exist and that's fine it is what it is i but... said i didn't like super corp one time and boy did all help wow that wow, yes Lynn. some wow. some ship fandoms can be more toxic than others to be sure right. let's just be real about that it's because um, there fact, is an emotional investment exactly. in a ship versus other aspects of the show mm -hmm. and human beings claim to be rational but emotions will trump rationality when it is strong exactly. enough so that's what provokes these reactionary outbursts that are super toxic and are literally attacking aggressive etc and you have that's, other that's people there telling you that you're right and there's a group you know her mentality yep there that was enables it's flame thing. wars there was Do you, one does anybody person... remember that term what what term Flame Wars. It sounds familiar. Because fandom speak has changed since the beginning of when I got since into now. Because, <laughs> because back when I was like first in, we had things like BNF, big name fan. So it was someone who had risen to a certain stature within the fandom. So you had someone that was known by everyone. Like, for example, one of the biggest and most, I'd say, popular BNFs is um was from the harry potter fandom and now has a freaking insanely selling book series or one or more series is it the but person writing who has like fan fiction that they've city published? of bones um oh that yeah. so she was one of, of the bnfs in the harry potter fandom. talk about a fandom me. that had the most toxic oh my god that was a toxic that fandom. fandom is also just like <laughs> humongous though humongous like, and so humongous crazy. so that is not surprising if you have enough people like you're gonna get bad shit that's gonna happen there are and there and they were powerful fandom too like, documentaries just, made yeah. like youtube documentaries made about the conflicts surrounding this person because it was cassandra claire that's the name she yeah. was um accused of and was guilty of plagiarism in her fan fiction to the point where she was lifting entire books and like putting them as her fan fiction, changing the names. That's pretty toxic. Yeah. So uh, it's that kind of stuff, you know? And then people I defended her that from like an eight year old. <laughs> yeah. But these were like people in their late 20s and 30s. Yeah. That's fucked up. It's ridiculous. I'm going to send you guys a link about this. Yes, please do.
It's wild. I mean, right, I've any negative lawsuits are involved. <laughs> I've had a whole subset of a fandom pissed off at me. Yes, which, you have. Um, yes, you have. <laughs> was not very fun because I had no control over it whatsoever. And yeah, so it's just, yeah, you were not the only one. And, but unfortunately you were the one that took the brunt of everything because you were the face. It's not always nice being the face of things. No, it's not. (laughs) It's all right. We get through it with a lot of therapy. And then therapy and food. Sooner you get less of a anxiety attack when you see the thumbnails mm-hmm. on your phone of the social media sites. Social media, I feel like it's done a lot of good, but it's done the, the accessibility bad. has made it so much more dramatic. <laughs> because the bigger the fan, because when I joined Winona Earp, I don't know if it was just like the people I was surrounded with, it was fine. And then as the last season was going it is getting bigger and that's when people become we're becoming way more toxic and the worst thing i see is like when the fandoms are like broken in the middle and fighting with each other like why are you fighting with each other well i feel like okay so this happened with warrior nun yes mm-hmm. also because the key the- of what you're the, the key of what you're saying here is in the last season, because tensions are high at that point, especially with Winona Earp, because it was like this weird back and forth of like, they kept getting renewed and then they kept rescinding the renewal. And so it was like this Mm -hmm. constant survival to just get the next season. And so people's emotions are high, they're burnt out, they're tired, and they're upset that they're losing their show. And so when we're hurting inward and we don't know how to process that, we project it outward onto other people and we pick fights and we just fight people and we're like well it's your fault it's your fault and just attack each other and that's what warrior nun was doing like everything was pretty great until the, last... the cancellation and then yeah. there was a battle to save it and it wasn't going well you know in the silence period where we didn't know anything and so then people start turning on each other after time after a while because they're tired and burnt out and their emotions are running high and like they especially just- when it's like shows back to back which we're facing now so like if you're part of one fandom and you try to move on to another and then the same thing keeps happening. So, Mm -hmm. yep. And then also what was happening there too. And like you said, with Winona Earp is that now more people are involved, people who weren't in the fandom to begin with. And this is the social media problem. And then you have clashing of people who understand the rules, don't understand the rules, understand the culture of the fandom, don't understand it. And then, arguments break out and i think that's partially what happened with warrior nun because then like other fandoms were getting recruited like uh the motherland people were getting recruited and they're like hey let's team up and then you like have people together that weren't together and then they're bonded for this thing that isn't accomplished and then everybody starts fighting like it's just that's what people do they just they project their feelings outward and now on the internet where there's no consequence really i'm like i can post something super toxic and mean emotionally but like it doesn't affect me i just like walk away from it but like it's Mm -hmm. psychologically damaging everybody that reads it so there's less consequences tethered to those social media exchanges so it's easier to just be toxic and like walk away walk away yeah yeah so that's what i want to talk about because uh, i think social media is like the worst thing that has happened to fandoms personally because again the people that love genuinely love the media and are seeking it out are usually are the ones that used to be in fandoms like people who just genuinely love it and are care enough to be there versus 
uh, men trolling women's media because they're like, hey, I can come here and like be toxic and make fun of what you're doing. It's easier to do that when it's on social media and it's accessible. Um, and part of the thing that has gone away is the barrier between the fan and the creator, which can be good, but can be bad. And I will talk about the Killing Eve fandom to throw them under the bus for this, because this was disgusting. So um, when Killing Eve was happening, uh, Jodie Comer was not the giant household name that she is now because she's been in, she's won many, many awards. Um, but she was starting to rise in her career. And so Jodie Comer was on social media when Killing Eve season one happened. And the fans got so toxic, they drove this young woman off of social media because they were so toxic. They attacked her boyfriend, like found shit out about him, stalked him, did all of this stuff. So like, there's very real bad shit that can happen with fandoms because they feel entitled to people's time or they just take things way too far to the point where you're in danger, endangering other people. And like, they were endangering the actress, like, mental health and well-being so much that this young woman was like, screw it, deactivated her social media accounts. It's ridiculous. So, which is super fucked up. Having just like a little bit of like attacking on social media and like the effect it had on me and I could never, I never want to be in her position, but like I totally understand when people deactivate their accounts, even if they go away and then come back, like oh my gosh, it's, it is damaging when you have so many people messaging you that you're, like, basically a terrible person. And, like, it's scary if they can find you, like, you're the people that you are love and are close to because, like, it's your problem that you put yourself here. It shouldn't be their issue that they're being found now because of something you decided to do. Yeah. And like, but like from the actor's perspective too, like it's their job a lot of the times to promote their work on social media. So these people are like forced to be on social media to promote their work because we don't market stuff anymore. We do social media marketing. And so like you're forcing them in these positions where they're coming up against this kind of like psychological bullshit that people do. And there will be auditions where they ask you what your follower count is. Which is sure. ridiculous. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Uh, she doesn't need that anymore. But um, mm. but also you're robbing that person of the positives that come with social media that we've all talked about. Because now she that person is being robbed of like the fun that occurs because the fans took it way too far and bullied the actor off of social media. And there's another instance for Heartstopper. Where the where the fans outed one of the cast members that's for, before that's a, mm -hmm. he was ready to come out because they felt entitled to that private information about the actor. So there's very real consequences and toxicity that can come out of these groups of people who have high hive mindsets and just like attack people. Like I have a friend that was recently like ostracized from a fandom because of like a critique they posted about the work and like it blew up and like this is there's very real like consequences to just this like hive mind bullying type of thing that can happen in fandoms um including the ones we are involved with now or were involved with in the past and so yeah so there's good and bad and everything in between that can happen with this because fandoms are made up of people and people are just good and bad and everything in between mm -hmm. 
And so one question I want to ask, since we've generally kind of talked about our experiences, good and bad, do you think the platform influences the fandom or the experience? Like, for example, you guys have experience going to cons, so like in-person interacting versus like the social media interacting, the early internet interacting. Does that change? Did that change your experience at all? Like the, like the platform? Okay, so I've been to one con, not as a fan, and I will say from what I've what I saw there, it everyone seemed to be having fun and getting along there. Like it's a lot easier, but there was also an online portion, which I mean, to its own right, was a shit show. Um, but those people were very very angry and like like again some of it is warranted but to the point of abuse so it, the online and the anonymous in person and an and oh anonymity thank anonymity. you um that the online presence gives you makes people way more confident to say mm -hmm. whatever they're thinking and it's very hurtful but the the small gatherings i definitely feel like are the best i understand why people want to go to conventions i have been to one con and it was the same one the same one and i guess partially as a fan and partially not yeah, that, that would was, you say? So my, I mean, yeah, I dragged I you into fair. a lot of things. I made you moderate <laughs> a lot of things. I'm like, please. I moderated some panels. I helped Caitlin with some things, not half the things she was doing because she was doing a lot of things. I mean, and I saw the effects that all of this was having on on her firsthand as far as the the negative parts of, of it. She worked her ass off to the point where we literally had to get her and feed her glucose tablets before she passed out i pulled two nurses that were part of the fandom or fandom um spouses of part of the fandom to come back there and take care of her because she was trying so hard to make it a good con for everybody that she was getting making herself ill so we had a great time in some aspects and in other aspects because of that particular con not because of cons in general so i do think it changes it changed my perspective being part of the inner workings of a convention or seeing it from backstage so that's the part that changed for me and then because all the panels that i was there for to actually go to were ones that I was moderating. So <laughs> I don't have the like the actual just a fan experience of going to a convention, but it changed it for me because I got to meet even people that were not, I was not part of those fandoms, but I knew those actors from other things. And so getting to meet them and, and hearing their perspectives on things and then getting to meet the people that were in our own fandom, the actors, because we had a more unique experience as far as we got to be literally up close and personal with these uh, actors 
through like meals and like hanging out and stuff like that so but i think that was also very dangerous like the conventions uh, the They're, amount of people like especially the bigger ones that these people have to meet i sometimes i feel like it could be even worse than social the media the only reason it worked is because it was a small group yeah and i don't think any i don't think there was much like there were many horrible i don't think that they would have any bad things to say about their fan interactions as far as i'm aware those particular set of people um i really enjoyed getting you know to talk to them about their characters and all of that good stuff but um i really do think there is a huge difference between seeing people face to face and seeing them or seeing them online as an icon because you actually have to deal with the fact that that's a real person in your face and mm -hmm. the interaction that you're having with them is is vastly different and it can go e either more positive or more negative or just kind of somewhere in the middle so yeah Theodore, do you have any experience with conventions at all no i don't um which is why i kind of wanted to you guys to talk about it um uh, my perception or my guess based on human behavior would be that at a convention there is a monetary barrier which is mm -hmm. unfortunate so fans that really care may not be able to go mm -hmm. because travel costs cost the convention yep. it can cost Out. a lot of money that's why right. volunteer at these places if you can because yeah. you get free um admittance oh. into things because i volunteered at the atx television festival and I got on the social media team, so got to talk to some of the people, take take photos, be in everything, doing social media for them. So definitely look into that. Thank you for that advice. Um, but like barriers to getting to the convention aside, like travel cost, cost of the convention, etc. It goes back to the premise of early internet and early fandoms. You have to want to be there. Like you have to be determined to be there and care enough to get to that thing right and right. so it weeds out a lot of the casual trolls that interact in fandoms and potentially make them toxic because the trolls don't care enough to go in person and so the people there are ones who genuinely want to be there and so i think there's more of an etiquette because i care about this and also when you're in person your social interactions are going to be different you can't just spout off toxic shit and hide behind your wall of anonymity, like you were saying, Caitlin. Like, there's consequences that you will face immediately if you're going to be an asshat at a convention. Um, like, if you're going to take things too far, like you were saying, Brie, whether it's to an actor, to a fan, you're going to get physically removed by security mm -hmm. and you're gone. That's it. So people think more before they say something or act, right? So there's more of that. So I feel like it's a more, more of a safe space for people who care about this thing because of you know the barriers number one and also because you generally want to be there to get there versus the online forum and i think the online forum it depends on which forum you're in especially nowadays in social media like twitter is toxic as fuck because the guy running twitter now doesn't give a shit and just made it a toxic hellhole so like twitter is the most toxic which is why i don't like that social media platform it is just toxic as fuck sure it's easy to use sure it's easy to find people but it's easy to find good people and bad people, like very easy. Well, it's, I mean, it's harder now for us because you can't see who's actually verified. Right. It's just it's it's just toxic. It's mostly toxic people. But if you go on like Tumblr, which 
not a lot of people use. But like for fan spaces, it's usually a lot more like fans who care about the thing. They're putting their artwork on there. They're writing posts. They're it's more of a like safe space of interact in, in terms of interacting with your um fandom in based on my experience yeah there's toxic shit there's troll troll shit posting crap like that but it's not attacking you the way twitter just it makes it so easy for you to get trolled and like to get death threats and, because there's no like moderator for your bad behavior because mm. the people who run that platform don't give a fuck um so like for me i think the online spaces like can tarnish your view of the media your view of people in the fandom a lot easier than going to a convention where it's a group of people that genuinely want to be there. So you're more likely to have a good interaction with fans in a convention versus I think in the, in the online spaces, even though the monetary barrier is not there with an online space necessarily. So you're more likely to have a bad experience. Um, but it's more accessible because it's just, you can just log on to your phone and just start fandoming immediately. So I think the platform absolutely will influence your experience or the culture of the fandom. And then you can even take it a step further with uh, with your online fandoms. If you have a Discord, for example, that's, that's, bring up. that's specifically dedicated to a piece of media. Again, you have to seek out the Discord, care mm -hmm. enough to join it. But it's not that hard to find those things. And so trolls can easily find it and get in your Discord and, like, ruin the experience mm -hmm. for everybody. So, like, and that risk is always there no matter what. But it's an extra barrier of, like, you have to care enough to find this thing that I think helps weed out, like, true fandom people. And by true fandom people, I mean people who, like, traditionally, like, care enough to, like, put the work in and, like, care about the media versus, like, trolls who are looking for attention and people who mm -hmm. are just looking to just pick fights because they're lonely. They hate their lives. They're mad about the ship. Whatever. Like, people are just looking to take their messed up feelings and put them onto somebody else. That's way easier to do in your online forum versus your in-person conventions. Or even, like, the group, the, the fan group thing you were talking about, Kaylin. I don't know if they still do it anymore. We have fan clubs and they, like, send you yeah. stuff and you can interact. But it's through a medium that's moderating all of the stuff and mm -hmm. keeping it a safe place and a pleasant experience for people so yeah i i think the i think the platform influences fandom behavior big time yeah for sure i think that's that's true of do you have anything to add on the discord thing oh i'm done i meant bray since she's like runs a few Dis I okay the the best the best discord fan community that I have been in was the the one that I started and we I think we we only ever had an issue once the entire time it was more and it it stayed kind of small as well so that was a factor um, but we, we had, you know, really neat discussions and shared a lot of cool things on there, but the, the bigger and different, see, this was ship based. So there were other discords that I was, that I was in from the same fandom that were very much more toxic. And I stopped going in there just because I knew I was going to see a lot of things that were just going to upset me in the respect of like, this isn't 
guys, hey, this is. I know you that banned we, me from one of them. Yes, we get very passionate about this uh, fandom because we're emotionally invested, like Theora said. However, at the end of the day, people need to step away and realize that they are entwining their negative emotions into some into a piece of media and a community that's they can walk away from at the end of the day and just just treat people like you want to be treated for goodness sake i don't yeah. understand why that's so hard apparently but i don't know just the amount of negativity and toxicity that i found in certain discord communities was so high within this certain fandom and then there was the little oasis of no one is having drama in this one so i i don't know it's just like it's either it was either or for me and i'm sure there are a lot of them that are in between so just like anything if you put humans in it they're going to be positives negatives and mixed emotions no humans we're the problem it's us yeah always so what advice would you give to someone joining a fandom for the first time don't get so involved that you lose sight of who you are as a person because i have known people who have done that and i have like my entire life revolved around a fandom thing at one point and that was not healthy like check back into reality at the end of the day please Touch grass. yes i would say kind of stay not on the outside but like like dipped in a little bit so you're able to talk to people about the show uh -huh. but like you're not leading things and because yes. that's it make sure that it stays fun yes that's yes. the big thing make sure that it stays fun because once you start stressing out about a renewal campaign or you feel like you're literally going to war over a television show mm -mm. i mean it also doesn't have to be social media like the fan fiction that's what i started with mm -hmm. like when i realized that that was a thing oh my god my world changed find your fan fiction niche that's my other advice Find the people that write fan fiction that, that appeals to you and encourage them. Please comment yeah. on writer on fan fiction writers' stories. People don't do that, and that's one of the main things that keeps you writing is feedback. Even if you're saying, Hey, why did you do this? This wasn't I didn't see this story going this way. Even if you're giving valid criticism, don't give just bullshit criticism. Like that's not cool but <laughs> yeah I mean, it's comment. Cool. oh theor has trauma from that one tell people what you like about their writing or their fan fiction or the characters just that's one of the main things if you want more fan fiction comment on fan fiction also please respect the people that write the fan fiction because they don't get paid for this and, and they have lives and also like okay as a fan fiction writer we do it for us first because it's fun mm -hmm. so like please don't make it not fun because exactly. then it stops because and don't ask every two seconds when the update is coming please don't ask when's the next update especially if that fish, person fish, i don't know whole fish i don't know <laughs> i got a life yeah it's like 
I love I love that I you want more of this story, but the more you ask, the less I want to write it. Correct. I it will delay it the more that people ask me that. That may be like and, not write the, it. and I know that may piss people off. They're like, but if I like the story and I'm saying I want more of it, I'm like, but don't do it over and over again. We know you like can't we know wait that there are expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I want to look forward to writing. Exactly. That's not I don't want to get into that too much. But um yeah, have fun. That's really the main thing. And like everybody said, if that's stressing you out and it feels like work, you're not having fun. Remember, nobody is paying you to be in a fandom. Like it's it is not your job. Saving a show is not on you. Um, remember who actually canceled it and to begin with, that's the person who fucked everybody over. It's not on you to like carry the weight of like other people's jobs Mm -hmm. to make art. Um but find find your people, find the people that that engage with media the way you like to engage with media. Um, because not everybody likes to do the same thing. Some people like to make thirst edits, some people like to write novels about everything, like me. I like to write analysis. I like to look at it. I you know, some people just like like to bother actors. I don't mean bother actors. Praise them. Um, they're more invested in the people than the media. And it's like, whatever your flavor of fandom is, like, remember everybody in the fandom, the creators, they're human beings too. And just like the goal is to have fun and like get some enjoyment out of whatever it is that your fandom is centered around. And so if it doesn't feel like that and it's stressing you out, take a step back. Maybe that part of the fandom life isn't for you. Um, I know we've all had experience with that with like, Mm -hmm. I need to step back from this because it's affecting me and it shouldn't. It's supposed to be fun. Uh, If you want a safe space, if you want a safe space to talk about queer media, uh, come join our discord because (laughs) it is a small group and it is a a safe space for talking about that kind of stuff. And there's a bunch of people that like to interact with things in different ways. but yeah, find your people because community is the key when it comes to fandom and that's what makes it different and unique for better or worse. That was Agreed. beautiful. It was. Way to sum it up. Yep. All right. Any final words before we move on with our day? Let us know what your first fandoms were. Yeah. And what fandoms affected you the most. And what... Um... Platform, I guess, was kind of mm-hmm. on because I don't know any yeah, of yeah. Bree's tell us about, I know there stuff. are some OG Xena fans out there that can tell us stories. If there's any Star Trek fandom people, the hype that I'm sure you've got That one's been going on for so long. So, right yeah. On. All right, cool. So, <laughs> fandoms, how much would you hydrate for lesbian? <laughs> <laughs> Can I hydrate some and take some away at the same Sure. <laughs> okay, I have do to do whatever say, you want. No, I've got to give I've got to give fandoms ten because even when it's been negative, I've learned a lot. So yeah, totally, it's been a freaking ride so far, and I've it's it's been like twenty some odd years. I don't see it ever stopping. I'm glad I met you guys, so I have to give it 10. I mean, fandoms are entire life, so it's, like, hard not to give it a 10 because, yeah, there's negatives, but it's also our life. (laughs) (laughs) 
that was depressing. But also, like, thanks, Caitlin. I think what we mean is that while there's a risk, it's like with anything, there's a risk reward, right? The reward is better than the risk in this. Yeah, in this case, for sure. And in most cases, you can just when it gets bad, you just step away. Exactly. So, uh, ten out of ten from big energy team. Encourage fandom activity. Just find find what works for you because there's there's Positive a lot of different experiences. What? Positive fandom activity. Yeah, yes. like just find what works for you. Um, and there's nothing more rewarding than getting to engage with a piece of media or whatever it is that you really, really love. Like, so 10 out of 10 there. All right. That's the fandom life. Uh, please res- respond to all of the comments we asked you to. We're curious. We want to know. Uh, and until next time, hydrate for the Jizai. And gay it up all over the place. <laughs> Bye. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod or email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.